walking out God's plan for your life. You must walk in the Spirit. And what that means is this. Your spirit, who you really are, is submitted to the mighty Holy Spirit. And now you are living, you are living and walking by your spirit, who's submitted to the Holy Spirit. You are being led in every way from the inside and the outside is not leading you anymore. There's no middle ground here. You are either living your life, everything you say, everything you do, you're either living it out of your spirit. If you're not, you're living it out of your flesh. And your flesh will always produce one thing. It has no capacity to produce anything else. It's death. Oh, it may feel good for a while, but all roads with Satan lead to death. Right? Everything produces after its own kind. The nature in your flesh is death. It can't produce life. So if you're looking at outside circumstances, right, for anything, it's, it's going to only produce death. It'll be confusing. But if you learn, and here's the thing, you've been made to walk out of your spirit and live out of your spirit. But here, here's, there's three, three words you're going to have to do to do that. You're going to have to get over yourself. A big thing, here's a big roadblock, it's unforgiveness. And here's the number one person you need to forgive. It's you. Because here's the thing, as you walk, if you're walking in the flesh, you're not satisfied. And for a Christian, there's always going to be inner turmoil. If you're not on your path, there's inner turmoil. You're not made to live for yourself. It's like a fish. Have you ever seen a fish out of water? They just kind of flop around. When I see, a fi when I see that, I'm like, oh man, I, I've, that's been me before. It's so awesome to live in your environment. You are to live in an environment of love, in an environment of faith. Right When you choose wrong and you live in an environment of love, what will happen? You'll run back to God. You'll not run away from him. When you live in an environment of love, when things happen in your life that you don't understand, you won't blame him or wonder why he allowed it. No, you'll see things as it really is that the enemy is working here. Maybe you made some mistakes. Maybe, maybe you didn't. But the enemy's at work and you, and you still know, wait a minute, no, I could trust God. He loves me. Today, as you're sitting here, God's not mad at you, right? He loves you. His love never wavers. And he's excited about the plan and the purpose that he has for your life. But we have to learn how to walk in the Spirit. Now, in our church, because we teach the Word so much, people, you guys hear things a lot of churches don't hear. Right, And you, you'll learn as we keep going through it. Pretty soon, you'll learn intellectually, mentally. You'll learn some principles of faith. But if you're not a doer of the word, then it'll never work for you. Because you'll be self-deceived. You'll think you're walking by faith when you're not. You're th you'll think you're being led by the Spirit because you could quote a couple scriptures and you're not. And you'll wonder... 
you know, if the enemy attacks you physically or financially, you'll wonder why things never change, but it's because you think you're in faith and you're really not. And what happens is, is we get blind spots. I've written some volumes on this. I live my life to keep all blind spots out of my life. Every day, Lord, show me what I'm not seeing. Show me what I'm seeing wrong. I'm like the church at Laodicea. Jesus said, come alongside me and purchase from me gold refined in the fire. He was saying, Laodicean church, you're over here saying we're rich, we're awesome, we know everything. And Jesus is like, no, no, actually, you're naked, you're poor, you have nothing, you see nothing. So come, be, come to me and buy from me gold refined in the fire. What, what Jesus was saying to them is, come to me, let, let, let me put you in my fire so that it burns all the junk off of you so that you can really see so that you could really walk as you walk. I always tell the Lord that. Now, what does it mean, the fire? See, here's, here's the furnace. This is the furnace. And this will get all the junk off of you. It will literally reveal who you are in him, what you've been given, all of these things, but you have to. I thought Pastor Dave's sermon Wednesday night was amazing about having ears to hear. That is, guys, that is a decision. It's a strong decision to live my life with this word first place. To honor and respect the word of God above everything else in my life. It is my final authority. Now I'm in a position and I'm coming to it not, not deciding if I'm going to obey it, that's gone. I've made a decision. Jesus, you're my Lord. My whole life is yours. I know you're good. I can trust you. And so whatever your word tells me to do, I will do it. I don't care how much it hurts my flesh. I don't care how much it doesn't make sense to my mind. If you look at the world right now, the reason why people don't serve God is because they are refusing to believe him. There are a lot of people, there's multitudes of people on this planet that will say, I'm a Christian because I believe in Jesus. And they're going to split hell wide open because they've never, ever bowed their life to his lordship. They just, they want to live for themselves and have God too. There's a many that are not born again. And we can't tell because they could be born again and they're just carnal. Because a carnal Christian will look exactly like the world. Right? Have you ever been carnal? What that word means is you're ruled by your flesh. It will cause you to be unpersuadable. As I minister the word of God, one of the hard things, and the Lord always helps me every service, is because I could sense in a very big way, unpersuadableness. And it's heartbreaking. People sit there, and it's like they have a Teflon coating around them. It's like they're, a, actually, the Bible describes it as they're asleep. But I'm here to tell you, God can wake people up. 
Aren't you glad you're awake? I'm so glad I'm awake. And I'm not awake because of me. I'm awake because of him. All I had to do was want to be awake. That's all I had to do. So anyway, man, I've got about three messages going on in me right now. <laughs> Hallelujah. I told John before the service, I'm like, well, I've got 19 pages of notes, um, but then I've got another direction. So we're just going to see how God wants to go here. Romans chapter 5 through chapter 7, Paul gives us, in those, in those three chapters, 5, 6, and 7, Paul gives us a very clear picture of who our enemy is. There is an enemy that's coming against you. There, there's all, he's always coming. And, and, and God is not going to get him to stop coming. Right? Why? Because God already did everything that he can do and he gave you the name of Jesus. So now you submit to the Lord and you resist the devil in the name of Jesus. And he will always flee because he's a defeated foe. But now a very clear picture of who our enemy is from these three chapters. And here is who our enemy is. I've mentioned him, the devil. He is our enemy. But let's talk about things in prior or in right priority here. Your number one enemy is your flesh. It's this nature that you have that you don't have your glorified body yet. You, have, you don't have the fullness of salvation yet. You have the first fruits of it. Your spirit was made brand new. And that's why God says, listen, so now what you got to do is you have to renew your mind with my word and you have to throw that body on the altar. Don't let it rule you, right? So your flesh is your number one enemy. The, now, now, who ignites your flesh? Satan. Number two. He might be number one, but I hate calling him number one on anything. So for this study, we're going to say he's number two, right? Number three is the world system that you're living in. Now, we're living in the kingdom of God, but we are in this world system, and Satan is the God of this world system. It's amazing how many people are starving on our planet right now and how much food is thrown away every day. It's amazing how much poverty is in the earth, but yet how much money is in the earth. Right? I think they jumped all over, uh, what was his name, Elon Musk or whatever? Uh, jumped all over him because he could end world hunger if he just like gave $60 million or something like that. Well, I, I mean, but, but here's the thing. You will always have lack. You'll always have poverty. You'll always have sickness, disease. Why? Because he's here. And he's just yelling louder because I'm telling you, he's walking in greater and greater fear. He knows his time is short and he's about to be annihilated. Right? And to that, we just go, ha, ha, ha. Right? Have no compassion at all for him. So Romans chapter 5 clearly tells us where our sin nature came from. It lets us know that if we yield to our flesh, it will slay us. Right? Yielding to your flesh will mess up your life. 
Romans chapter 6 tells us the key to overcoming sin is knowledge. You've heard me say that. Romans chapter 6 says that we must literally account or reckon ourselves as dead to sin because you are dead to sin. Your spirit is dead to sin. But you'll never walk that out if you don't have knowledge. What knowledge of what? Number one, you were crucified with Christ. Number two, you were buried with him in baptism. Number three, you were raised to newness of life or raised to a brand new life. Number four, you were identified with Christ in the crucifixion. Number five, you were identified with Christ in the resurrection. And number six, because of those first five things, here's the big kicker, the cherry on top. Sin will never have dominion over you. You could sit here and say, well, I sinned this morning, Pastor. No, but you, you didn't have to. It literally has no dominion. It can't have dominion. Who you really are, you can't sin. Your spirit can't sin. But Satan knows this, that your mind, your soulish realm is your control center. And whatever, whichever direction your mind goes in, that's where your life will go. He explains sin. He literally says how sin happens is the sinful nature that's already in your flesh will try to side with your mind. And if your mind's unrenewed and it sides with your mind, it will take your spirit man captive. And the next thing you know, you're in a sinful or an unrighteous behavior that will produce death in your life. But I'm here to tell you, you don't have to ever yield to that. Hallelujah. you got to believe that. You must know how sin operates in you and against you. And, and Romans chapter 6 is very clear on this. You must understand positional truth versus temporal truth. Here it is. Positional truth. Anytime you see in the Bible, like in Christ or in Him, that's positional truth. Right now, as an example, all of us as Christians are seated in Christ in heavenly places far above all principalities and powers. That's positionally. Temporally, when you see temporal truth in the Bible, when you read walk, this is the way you're supposed to walk, that's your behavior. That's temporal truth. So temporally, I'm not seated in heaven, right? I'm standing in Faith Family Church. Temporally, you're seated in, in, a, in a chair in a sanctuary in, in Omaha, Nebraska. So you got to understand the difference there as you read the Word of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, real interesting, in verses 1 through 3, Paul is writing a letter to the church at Corinth. When I get to heaven, I will thank Jesus that I never had to pastor the church in Corinth. Oh my goodness. I could not even imagine. Right? But Paul writes this letter back to them because he hears about all the mess that's going on in this church. And, you know, you talk about sexual addiction. I bet 100% of the people in that church had a sexual addiction. You know, because of all the, the temples of... Athena and all this stuff, the whole culture 
was, it wasn't even homo or heterosexual. It was just sexual, like everything goes. You know, a thousand prostitutes in this temple and they believed that if they had sex and they pleased her, he would, or she would bless them. And so this church, they came from a pretty messed up background. But four years after Paul planted that church, he wrote this to them. He said in verse 1 of chapter 3, he said, And, brethren, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual. Now they were born again. They actually were spiritual. But he goes, I can't even speak to you as someone spiritual. I have to speak to you, but as unto carnal. This word carnal defines what it means to be a carnal Christian. This means flesh ruled, body ruled, and it also means undeveloped. The problem in the church is we have undeveloped spirits. Why? Because we have an unrenewed mind which causes an out-of-control flesh. Right? The only thing that the Lord has told me about carnal versus somebody not saved, and, and I, I'm telling you, it's, and, and even then, it's a little... He said one thing you could look for is willingness. If you see willingness in a person, I think of a guy I had in my college and career group. If he wasn't there on a Friday night, we'd go out and fellowship, and about 12, 1 in the morning, we'd all go home. After fellowshipping and everything, we were a fellowshipping bunch. But after that, I would go to certain bars in Southern California, and I'm looking for him, right? He struggled with cocaine, but he grew up in a house where his dad just told him he was stupid all the time, never amount to anything. He had trouble with cocaine, trouble with drinking. And sure enough, within three bars, I would always find him. And, and here he was, man, he'd, he'd literally start crying when he'd see me. And I'd spend the rest of the night, usually till four or five o'clock in the morning, just loving on him, telling him how God's not mad at him. And, you know, he would always just, he, I, I just encourage him. I'm like, listen, man, God, God doesn't care where you are. He wants you to just go forward. And then, then he'd get back on fire for the Lord. And it was kind of this cycle that would always happen, right? I believe, I'm sure he got over all that. But that, you know, he was carnal. He still had a willingness. Now, nowadays you see people that call themselves Christians that it's like, you just, you just see this wall. Pastor, you better not say certain things to me or I'm out. Now, could they be saved? Well, yeah, they could be because I don't know what the inner turmoil, if, if it's in them or not, because they're not acting like there's any inner turmoil, right? But they're just saying no to God. Well, I'm gonna minister to that person like an unbeliever until I get some idea that they are saved. Don't get into this. Why am I? I'm getting into all this stuff this morning. When you're ministering to people, don't just think. See, and this is what happens with relatives. You love them so much that you're like, well, you know, I know when they were three months old, they prayed a prayer and they're in. You know, I'm telling you, be careful with that. 
Well, they, they're, they're okay spiritually. You look at their life and go, they are saying no to God on every level. And, and you can't minister to them like a believer because they have no power to change if they're not a believer, right? So be led by the Spirit that way. You know, we walk around saying this. You've heard me say this before. You know, people will talk about, oh, man, that pastor, you know, he took off with the church secretary. And man, it's amazing because he's spirit-filled. Well, guess what? He wasn't spirit-filled that day. He wasn't spirit-filled for probably a long time before that. Well, you know, they're, they're just a good person. Well, if they're not born again, they might live a morally upright life, but they're spiritually dead and hell-bound. So don't get caught up into, well, they're just a good person. I could just, I could just leave them alone. They're not, you know, they don't go out causing any trouble. They live this holy life. They're even, man, they're even part of their church, right? Do you know how many people, they've had so many pastors that have literally left their churches and went to Raymond to go to school and within the two years of their school got saved. Didn't even realize they weren't even born again, Right? The pastor of the church that I met Jeanette in in Southern California, he was, he was the pastor, Dick Reeve. He's in heaven now. Great guy. Played football for UCLA. And he was an older man when we were in his church, but he was golfing with a prominent pastor in Southern California, a prominent denominational pastor. And the guy's like going, yeah, he goes, I got to do a funeral. Dick, I've got to do a funeral and I just don't know what to say. And Dick goes, yeah, I know, that's hard if if the person's not born again or whatever. And, and he looks at Dick and he goes, no, no, my friend, I don't know what to say. I don't know what happens to someone after they die. Pastoring a large denominational church, several thousand people, and the guy's not even born again, right? It's really amazing. We misunderstand. We don't, we don't study so we just go, okay, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And we go, see, I believe in Jesus. But no time out, that's not what that word believe means in the Greek. It means that I believe it so strongly that, that it causes me to commit my life to it. Now, I'm not talking about being flawless, if it was about being flawless, man, I'd be in trouble, right? Now, I'm getting a lot better at the flawless thing, but I'm still not there yet. I still, I don't have to. I'll give in to my flesh, right? I was praying this morning. I mean, I was having this time of worship and praise, and I was coming up 168th, and I got, got on Dodge. Why do I have to tell myself? So I, I get on Dodge, and you know, I'm in the inner lane, and the, and the people coming North on 168th getting on, it has a big yield sign. They're supposed to yield, right? And so I'm just like, I'm going, and this car is going about 70 miles an hour, and had I not slowed down, he would have just ran me over. So I'm like, Father, I just thank you. I'm declaring things. Father, I just thank you. Oh, you idiot. I'm like, I'm like, Father, I apologize, right? So I'm still a work in progress here, right? right you real it's a sobering thing when somebody goes by you and looks at you like and you're like oh shoot i didn't even see that person right 
we better get on this. <laughs> Carnal. We have to talk about these things. So Paul's saying, I couldn't speak to you as spiritual, but as into carnal, as into flesh ruled, body ruled, your body's ruling you, you're undeveloped, even as unto babes in Christ. You know, there's a lot of babies that have been in the church, they've been born again for 50 years and they still have a diaper on, right? Age does not make you grow spiritually, right? That's all I'm going to say about that. So let's just go on. <laughs> Verse 2, it says, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto or up till now you're not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. Why? You can't bear the meat of the word. I got to give you milk because you're carnal. And then he goes, this is why I know you're carnal. Because there is among you envying. This deals with your thought realm. I see envying among you, which means you're not thinking right. Right? There's also strife among you. It deals, that's dealing with your words. I could, I've heard of strife among you. You're, you're, you're speaking certain words. And, and here's the thing. I'll guarantee you, there maybe in the church of Corinth, because they were, they were pretty, pretty carnal, there might have been words between people, but here's what a lot of the words are. Hey, Pastor Mark, you know, can you believe that Torian? Let me just tell you about him. Strife. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It could be gossip, judging, all that stuff. That Pastor Tony, you know, why? Why does he have to preach that long? <laughs> right? Right? Why, why in the world does he dress the way he dresses? You know, and when are we going to do, you know, I really wanted red seats. I didn't want blue seats. You just have this alarm going off. Baby. Baby. People come and go, oh, pastor, man, you know, you are like Jesus himself. I have never heard the word taught so good. You know, the church I go to, that pastor just doesn't, he just won't feed us. Baby. Because what do babies do? Feed me. Feed me. Right? That's what babies do. They cry if they don't get fed. They whine. Feed yourself. To be honest with you, I'm preaching right now, but you're going to have to feed yourself. Right? And then the last thing, it says, and divisions. This is dealing with actions. You know, we have the Paul group over here, and then we have the Apollo group over here. We have little cliques. I'm so glad we don't have cliques, right? It's, it's so wonderful to not have to deal with offense. But envy, strife, division, carnal, what are you thinking what are you saying and what are your actions? It will tell you if you're carnal or not. It says, are you not carnal and walk as men? The Amplified it brings out the Greek. It says, are you not carnal and walk like ordinary men unchanged by faith? 
See, the difference between a spiritual Christian, a mature Christian, and a carnal Christian is they just haven't let faith change them. And here is the thing that's messing a lot of people up. I'll, I'll read my Bible, and this is the way I read it. I get in, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm a good Christian, so I'm going to read my Bible. You should never read your Bible like this. You should read your Bible like this. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak. Oh, Father, I speak. I speak out of the overflow of my personal relationship with you. Not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. Father, I thank you for trying my heart so that I could speak never to please men, but to please you. Because I know in that I'll bear fruit. That's how you read the Bible, right? They're reading the Bible silently. Have you ever, don't, don't you remember in school you're reading and you get to the end of the page and you're like, okay, what, time out, what did I just read? Talk to a person who reads like this silently. Ask them what they read. They'll be like, the Bible, right? Why? Because your mind will stop everything and listen to your mouth. And you'll listen to you more than you'll listen to anybody else. And every wife said, yeah, yeah, my husband listens to himself more than he listens to me, right? Every, every husband's going, yeah, I know, my wife, right? And then, then the husband and wife are going, yeah, my kids, you know, they don't, they don't really listen to us. The kids are like, yeah, my mom and dad, they, they don't ever listen to right? So, so you'll hear yourself. So speaking is the key to walking in the Spirit. It's the key. Why are people not laying hold of, of, of the blessing of God and from the time that they believe they receive until they see it in their life? Why is it it's sometimes taking longer? It's because they get out of faith because they stop speaking. We have to keep the switch of faith turned on. God told Joshua, listen, this is very important, Joshua. I've called you. The first thing you're going to do as leader of Israel is something Moses couldn't do. You're going to take the children of Israel and you're going to go into the promised land. And there's going to be battles and there's going to be cities and they're going to be greater than you. So this is what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to be strong and courageous. And how you do that is you're going to have to meditate in my word day and night so that you could observe yourself on the inside doing my word. And at one point he says, you are to never let the word of God depart out of your mouth. And this is a big key. When you feel like you don't know what you're supposed to do, what should you be saying? Father, I thank you that it is written that all the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. I thank you that I know the voice of the Spirit of God. Now your mind will be like, that's ridiculous. No, no, just keep saying it. 
Why? Because what are you doing? While you're speaking the word of God, it's starting to get in your heart. And pretty soon, revelation will come and all of a sudden you'll realize, oh my gosh, the Holy Spirit is leading me. And all of a sudden, a light will get turned on and you'll be like, wow, I am led by the Spirit of God. Nothing changed on the outside, but on the inside, all of a sudden, everything changed. And it's amazing how all of a sudden, bumper stickers and and everything will start talking to you about God's plan for your life. When you don't know what to do, what are you to say? Father, I thank you that the path of the righteous, it grows brighter and brighter. That the word is a lamp to my feet. I know right where I'm at. It's a light to my path. I know my next step. If you're not saying you know your next step, guess what? You will never know your next step. You can actually speak yourself into faith. It's amazing. Why? Well, because faith comes by hearing. And you hear yourself more than you hear anybody else. So keep your mouth filled with the word. Read the word out loud. Listen to the Bible. I mean, listen to teaching. Man, I live with this. When I I don't have something audible, I listen to so much word and I study so much word. I, I mean, literally, it never shuts off. Right now, the Lord is talking to me about his word. I mean, it's all the time. What's what's messing with me today is I've got all these scriptures that the Lord's been preaching to me all night long in my sleep. And you get great rest when he preaches. You think my voice is soothing. He could speak to your spirit all night while you are at rest. Because when he speaks, it's like when Jesus spoke to the storm. It just calms. His voice calms everything. And when you're resting on the inside, you'll now be able to rest on the outside. So this is huge. You gotta speak. So verse one here is making a clear distinction between the inward man, your spirit, and your outward man, which is your flesh. He's making a complete distinction. He's saying, church at Corinth, you guys are spiritual babies But you're born again, you're spirit-filled. See, they were all tongue talkers. The whole early church was. Right? They They weren't as educated as we are to come up with doctrines like, well, you know, you don't have to speak in tongues and the Holy Spirit was done away with. If the early church heard that, they'd be like, what? No, 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 we're Christians. He was poured out, he's still here, Right? We have gotten so smart, we have all these options. Do you know if you're a child of God today and Jesus is your Lord, you don't have a lot of options. Here's the big option that people are taking in the body of Christ, that really it's not your option. You are to live in the very life and essence and quality of life that God lives in. Zoe. That's your option. Because we're living out of our flesh, we are literally living a natural life 
subject to the world throwing us all over the place. And that's not even to be an option in your life. We, we are to live in this just environment saturated with the fact that God, the God of the universe, is our dad and he loves us unconditionally and he's always in our life. That is our option. We choose to walk away and live a part of fellowship. We, we, we are like, yeah, God, okay, just, you know, I want to come over here and do my own thing. That's really not an option. It's so far below what God has for you. Body, so I'll, I'll go back, you know, Pastor Tim, who was here last Sunday, wasn't that awesome? You know, they're such great people. And uh, Pastor Tim, he used this analogy. He talked about Clark Kent and Superman, right? So a body-ruled man is like Clark Kent. A spirit-ruled man is like Superman, right? We have been made the very righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. So this is amazing. It says in, go to Ephesians chapter 2. Hallelujah. You guys doing okay? Hallelujah. I hope you're encouraged today. Because today, you could make a decision to just turn away. You know, repenting is just changing your mind. And you could start embracing more and more of God and it will change everything in your life and those around you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. It says, and you hath he quickened. Right? Now, we have to, we have to literally preach the word. It says, and you, but in all the original manuscripts, hath he quickened is not in them. Okay, so literally you would read this, and you who were dead in trespasses and sins. Okay, we got to stick with the word. Wherein in time past, before you were born again, you walked according to the course of this world. And what's funny is the, the Greek word for walk, and this is the way you will walk if you're carnal. It literally means to walk in a circle. So if you're trying to get to a destination, this stinks. Have you ever been there? Man, I just don't seem to be going anywhere because I'm just, right? This is the way everyone in the world walks. You could say, well, no, I know people in the world, man, they got so much money. They got great cars, houses, boats. They, they do anything they want. And the Bible says they're in the world without God. And here's the thing. They're without hope. What is their future? To somebody who does not know God, this life is it. For us, this life is a dress rehearsal. It's, it's about to get really, really good. Right? But we are to have, we are to have in this life the same quality as we'll have there. See, in, in the best day, this life is it. How depressing. I mean, that's really depressing. I, the, the older I get, the more depressing that is. 
Because, man, I was, I, you know, I was 28 years old, like yesterday. Now I'm 60, I'll blink again, and I'll be 90. I mean, it just goes fast. You know, Jeanette and I talk about getting old. We're like, you know, I'm not liking this. I mean, like, like I saw those guys on the screen playing basketball, and I can't tell you how much I am looking forward to just, just give me a basketball because I just want to be able to dunk again. You know, so much of my game was the athleticism that I had, right? But here's the cool thing. I'm not going to be old for very long, right? Teresa, she gives me a hard time right now. But in heaven, I'm going to be like, you know, first thing she's going to say to me, Pastor, wow, you look good, <laughs> right? We're not old for very long. But while we're old, we're to be strong, we're to be pain-free, sickness and disease-free. That's what God wants for you. No medication, not spending all your money and all your time going to doctors. That, that, that's what we have. And if, and if that's where you are now, that's okay. Start where you are. But speak the word of God. I've been redeemed from this sickness and disease. It's got to get out of my body, right? Satan, you know it, I know it, and I'm walking free from this. Right? Your finances, everything. But it says you walked according to the course of this world, and then you walked according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit, which is really the spirit of Satan, that now works in the children of disobedience. So you're walking according to the natural age of the world in a circle, but while you're walking here, you're walking according to to the prince of the power of the air. Talk to somebody who doesn't know God and they think they're living their life for themselves. Fairfield, Iowa, all these new age people, they were their own God. They actually aren't. Every human being, there's not one person on this planet that is living, governing their life by themselves. Every person, is, their life is governed by the enemy everyone according to the word of God it says now it's this spirit that now works in the children of disobedience people that know don't know God here is the word disobedience the spirit of disobedience this word disobedience means unpersuadableness it literally means unbelieving People that don't know God, the very spirit that's working in them is one. They're not able to be persuaded. They'll say silly things like, I'm just going to go party with all my friends in hell. Wow, right? That's why we have to learn how to yield to the love of God so that we don't beat them up with the Bible, that we don't try to push them to Christ. We are able to lead them to Christ. Because God knows the key to their heart. It says, among whom also we had our conversation. This means our manner of life. In times past, in the lust of our flesh. This is the way a carnal Christian lives. We had our manner of life. Our whole life was coming out of the lust of our flesh. Fulfilling, in the Greek language it says, finding a way to fulfill the desires of the flesh and of the mind. 
Have you ever done that? You just have to have this new car. You just have to have it. So you just sit at home and you figure out a way that you, and then you buy it. And then within 30 days when that first payment comes, you start to feel it. That What did you do? You were trying to find a way to fulfill the lust of your flesh. Have you ever overextended yourself financially? That car is not very fun anymore, right? And that's the way everything is in the world. It says here, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we're by nature. This is an interesting word. This means we're by instinct, the children of wrath. This word that literally, and this is what you have to see. This is why you love the people in the world. They are the way they are because it's not, they literally, they literally in this area have no free will. They can't be saved on their own. They need Jesus. They are acting the way they're acting. It's their instinct. They're spiritually dead. They're, and, and they're acting like the children of wrath. This, this word wrath that Paul used, they're children of wrath. It literally means someone so deplorable that they deserve to be damned. But yet God sent his son to die for them. And that right now, there's not one sin that is standing between them and a God who loves them. He's like, I want you to be mine. Even as others. It's amazing. In other words, sinners are controlled by the flesh and the mind. We all know that, right? Because we all were that. I'm not a sinner anymore, although I can still do sinful and unrighteous behavior. I could, I could look and act just like one. But I'm, life, I'm full of life on the inside. Carnal Christians will look and act just like the world. The source of the lust of the flesh is the desires of the flesh and the desires of the mind. This, this, this unrenewed mind will have desires that will come out of it. The flesh will have these desires. I mean, why would anybody want to eat a McDonald's hamburger? It's not real. But your flesh will crave it. Right? Go buy a McDonald's hamburger and set it on a sidewalk. Ants will walk around it. They will not perceive it as food. Right? friend of mine... When he was doing his residency at Cook County Hospital, where I was born, there was a patient that was so gigantic that when they were trying to bathe this individual, they had to lift up this big fold of skin, and they found a McDonald's hamburger. And, and the bun, that's nasty, and the, and the bun, and the bun was still brown. It, was, it looked like, it looked normal. That's like post-tribulation food. But your flesh will crave this stuff, right? Anyway, now you're all awake. How did I get off on that? The unsaved individual 
has their flesh hooked up by their mind or with their mind. Now, I'm, exp- I'm, I'm describing somebody who doesn't know God, who's not born again. But guys, the reason why I'm doing that is so that you understand how they operate so that you don't operate that way. Because every time your flesh hooks up with your unrenewed mind, guess where you're going? You're going into a behavior. That's where all addiction is. That's where everything is, right? As a result, the unsaved, they will either have a behavior that's defined in Romans 1 or Romans 2. Romans 1, it describes a heathen behavior. They're out there just doing all kinds of stuff, right? But they also can be, Romans chapter 2, be very religious. They could be very morally upright, be very good. They could give to the poor. They could do all this stuff. Paul said in Romans chapter 3, both of them are lost. You gotta be, you got to be born again. There's nothing you could do to be good enough to be saved. Right? Right? In other words, your lifestyle does not save you. But now that we're saved, our lifestyle should change. And it will change as we know who we are in Christ, as we walk this out, as we get in the word of God. The unsaved conscious, their conscience can prick them. So an unsaved person, a person who's not born again, they can do some things that they know is wrong, and it'll prick them for a while. But if they keep doing it, they'll get hardened. And there's nothing inside of them that will convict them anymore. So they can sin, and they can do sometimes deplorable things. Right, I, I just found out that Ted Bundy, who was a mass murderer, got born again on death row. Yeah, so you'll see him in heaven. He's completely changed. Isn't that awesome? So, so you sit here and you, but, but this is, there's nothing in them that convicts them. The carnal Christian though, now I'm talking about us, will live like the unsaved, but will be in conflict on the inside. Now you could harden yourself a little bit, but you'll never ever feel that peace and that joy and that satisfaction. There will always be inner inner turmoil, which will cause interpersonal conflict in every area of your life. Why is that? Because their spirit is going, I don't want to do this. Carnal Christianity is like a treadmill. You work yourself silly, but you never get anywhere. You know, right? It's like you've heard that worry is like a rocking chair. There's a lot of movement, but you're not going anywhere, right? The carnal Christian has his spirit and his flesh in conflict with one another. This person will either give up and try to separate themselves, but even if they do, they will always get into works. However, their works will never satisfy them. They'll try to do things to try to please God, but they're never satisfied because works in that way, in their own strength, only faith pleases God. 
right? They're always trying to earn something. And here's what they can produce. They can only produce wood, hay, and stubble. That's all that they produce. And on the judgment seat of Christ, all of their works, when they're tried by fire, it'll just be gone. There's nothing, right? Spirit-led believers, they work out what God is working in, and they do this within what we call the law of love. What is that? I walk in a revelation knowledge that God loves me unconditionally. So everything I do, all my works are done in love. They're they're not done. I'm not trying to earn something from God. I'm not trying to get him to do something for me. No, no, no. I know he's already given me everything. He's a good father. My works are coming out of my love for him. Why? Because I know he loves me. That motivates everything. They do things promoted by the Holy Spirit within the law of love, and they are satisfied. You live life. See, God wants you satisfied where you are on the way to where you're going. I am so satisfied where we are as a church, and yet I'm so on fire passionate about reaching more and us growing more and becoming all that God wants us to be. But I'm not unsatisfied here where my father's holding a carrot. No, 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 I'm satisfied here. And as I see him do more and more and more, I just, get, I just walk in satisfi- satisfaction, right? And it always produces gold, precious stones, things that when fire is put to them will last for an eternity. The same works. You got to understand this. A carnal Christian and a spiritual Christian. A, A Christian living out of their flesh, a Christian living out of their spirit. They can do the exact same works, but if they're living out of their flesh, it can only produce wood, hay, and stubble. If they're living out of their spirit, it can only produce gold. You got to understand that. There's so many people that are doing ministry with, with their living out of their flesh. Pastors that are really good men and women, but they are up to here with the fear of their finances of the church and, and they're hurting. And, 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 and what happens is they start doing ministry worrying. That could only produce wood, hay, and stubble right? Instead of just going, wait a minute, no, 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 I'm going to do ministry with a complete trust in him. Now my motives are right, and it's going to produce gold. Same works. So it's so important that you live out of your spirit. But here's the key. What will get the carnal Christian to move over where they stop living on the outside and move by the outside, and they start being moved from the inside? Knowledge, revelation knowledge of the word of God is key. So let's go to Galatians chapter 5 as we just kind of close out here today. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16. Paul says this, This I say then, walk, walk. So are we talking positional truth or temporal truth? Temporal truth. 
walk in the spirit. Now, if you'll notice in the King James Version, the word spirit is capitalized, but it's not talking about the Holy Spirit. It's talking about walking in your spirit. Okay? Why? We'll see this in a minute. And you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you walk in your spirit, you won't fulfill the lusts that's in your flesh. That's freedom from all addiction. That's freedom from everything. What's the key? You got to walk in your spirit. Right? It says, for the flesh, flesh lusts against the spirit. This is why we know that it's not talking about the Holy Spirit, because your flesh does not lust against the Holy Spirit. It lusts against your spirit. Your flesh tries to connect with your soul to take your spirit captive. Your flesh can't affect the Holy Spirit at all. Okay? And the spirit against the flesh. Yeah, see, the Holy Spirit doesn't war with your flesh. Do you understand that? I, I mean, I wish he would. When you want to do a stupid thing, all of a sudden the Spirit of God just rises up in you and slaps your flesh and it's like, okay. No, it doesn't work that way. You can go do anything you want. That's how come this sovereignty doctrine that's taught is so unscriptural. Yes, God is sovereign, but rule number one of sovereignty in your life, your will trumps his will. He wants you to walk in love all the time. Have you ever not walked in love? You didn't see a flaming angel, a flame, an angel with a flaming sword standing going, say that again, I'm cutting your head off. No, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way, right? Right? It says here, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary. They're adversarial. They're at war with each other. They're contrary one to the other. And then it says, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Well, great, pastor. Cannot. Well, let's look at the Greek word cannot. It's the Greek word. This will be really easy to say, to remember. Me. That's the Greek word. M-E. Me. Right? It, it's a negative participle. Now, if you went to high school like I went to high school, I thought you went to high school to play basketball. If you just said, well, that's a negative participle, I'd be going, okay. What does that mean to me? Absolutely nothing, right? <laughs> so I'm going to kind of explain this to you. This, this negative participle, what this is saying, this person conceives something and supposes something and then chooses to live a certain way. It's basically so that you cannot do the things that you would. Literally, if you wanted to read this in the literal Greek, it would read like this. So that you would choose not to do the things that you would. This, your flesh is worn against your spirit to try to get you to choose to do something that you shouldn't do. Satan, this is so cool, because Satan can't make you do it. He has, no, he has no authority. You know, like Flip Wilson, the devil made me do it. The young people are going, Who's, who is Flip Wilson, right? Sanford and Son. Go on YouTube, you could probably find it. But the devil can't make you do anything. You choose it. Paul is basically telling us here that whoever, whoever the mind hooks up with is who you will follow. 
If your mind hooks up with your flesh, you will follow the flesh. If your mind hooks up with your spirit, you'll follow the spirit. We are to obey the law of love. You focus. That's the focus. That the goodness of God will lead you to change your mind. If you are not where you want to be today, I am here to tell you, if you want to get out of the flesh and start walking in the spirit, here is the focus. You start going to 1 John chapter, chapter 4. Read that about a hundred times this week. Meditate in it. Confess these scriptures. Father, I love you because you first, like it's working in me, because you first loved me. You love me with an everlasting love. You start getting light in the law of love and all of a sudden you'll go, wait a minute. I just want to passionately pursue him because he's so good. So we renew our mind with the word of God within the law of love. See, the sin nature in your flesh is designed to pull you away from your spirit to hinder you from doing what your spirit wants to do. If you want to finish in Galatians chapter 5, we're going to close now. But if you go down and read it, and you could read this on your own, verses 19 through verse 21, it will list the results of a person who lives out of their flesh. Verses 22 and 23 will list the results of a person who lives out of their spirit. We call that the fruit of the spirit. And then verse 24 and verse 25 say this, and they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. And then it says this, and I'll close with this. If we, and you could say this, if we choose, if we live in the spirit, again, that's not talking about, it shouldn't be capitalized. If we live in our spirit man, right? Because our spirit is led by the Holy Spirit. Let us also walk in the spirit. So right here in this, in this phrase, since we're living in the Spirit, we're seated in heavenly places in Christ, living in the Spirit. This is positional truth. It says because of this is who we are, positionally, let us also walk in the Spirit, temporally. Paul is making a distinction right here between spiritual truth and temporal truth. And I could tell right now we're going to, have to, we're going to have to talk about this more next week because there's some things that I want to get into about how to really walk in the Spirit. But this is what you take from today. If you want this, and I could tell you, everybody watching online, everybody here who's born again, your spirit wants it. You, you need revelation knowledge on how much God loves you. If you want a bunch of scriptures on what the Bible says about the love of God, come to this young man right here after service, Pastor Edwin, that has captured you for years. And he would be able to help you. Any of us would be able to help you. Because we're all, I would love to tell you, no, actually I wouldn't. 
I am so glad I can't sit here and say, I know everything about the love of God. I feel like I'm scratching the surface. The more I find out and experience the love of God, the more I realize it's greater than anything. For eternity, our whole eternity, we will be coming more and more aware year after year, millennium after millennium, age after age for eternity, you and I are going to become more and more aware of how much God loves us. He's not, this is what God said to me. He said, Tony, my mercy is so much greater than your disobedience right now. So turn to me. Forget all that stuff. I have got a life for you. The world needs to hear that. God is good because his mercy endures forever.